Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Jamie Wilkerson. How are you, Jamie? I'm doing good. I know you're doing good because you just smile all the time. You just <laughs> you just bring a smile into the room. But I know there have to be moments in Jamie's life, like there are in mine, in all of our lives, where there's no smile. Maybe a disappointment or a challenge or some mountain to climb that just seems exhausting. Do you ever experience that? I have. Yes. And uh, me too. And it seems like the world in which we're walking right now is especially difficult. I mean, ordinary life before the pandemic had its own share of challenges. But now in this pandemic season, we're kind of proscribed. We're not able to kind of come and go and do as we used to do. Have you suffered any losses from the pandemic uh, in the way in which you just live your life week by week? Yes, I think we all have. Every so for week instance, is different. What, what are you missing? You know what? I miss structure and or I don't like surprises. I like to know what's going on and I think that has been one of a huge loss not knowing, not being able to predict what's going to happen next. It's, I feel like I've been living in a world of like suspense, you know? It's like a suspense movie. It's a little bit like quicksand or <laughs> yes. everything's unpredictable. <laughs> yes, it's there hard are a lot to know of... how to be sure-footed when you don't know what the next day brings. I totally get that. I can tell you that one of the things that I'm really grieving is the YMCA <laughs> uh, because I'm a Y guy and I, mm -hmm. I used to go to the Y five days a week and it was just part of my routine. Oh, yes. And not only was it a physical routine and it is that and that's good and when you get to be as old as I am, that's more important. But also it was like a spiritual routine. You know, I, I kind of was emotionally healthy because I had the routine and yeah. I kind of had those moments when I was working out and kind of lost in my thoughts. And and it's all gone because the Y has been closed and it's just reopened, but I'm not sure I want to go back yet because I don't know if it's safe and on and on. It's just a small thing, but man, it's had a huge impact on my whole outlook. I mean, in a world like this, and the pandemic is just part of the story. There's the economic challenges where we're not sure about where our next paycheck will come from. And then there's all the tumult in our culture, properly so, about the injustices of history and the present day and how should we go forward and make things better and more fair and equitable. And I mean, there's so much to think about. I sometimes just go to sleep at night and I think, is this the way the world is supposed to be? Surely we're off track somehow. Jamie, we've been talking about human flourishing, and that's a concept that's been around from ancient time, and it's still a live conversation today, and many disciplines of knowledge and the pursuit of social science, so on and so forth. People talk about human flourishing. It's a spiritual dimension, too, because can we really flourish as people uh, without owning the spiritual dimension of our lives? So, I mean, there's so much to unpack here. But in this world so broken, I want to know, how can I flourish? And I think that that was the design of humanity was to flourish. So take us back to the dawn of time. Do you think that we were born to flourish? I mean, sometimes I think it seems kind of self-preoccupied or small or petty for me to say, well, I was made to be happy. Am I crazy? What do you think? No, I think that in Genesis, um, it, um, Genesis gives an account of a time where things were flourishing, where we did have that um, perfection or shalom and so I think that that is something that's just in us to desire because that's something that God desired for us from the very beginning. I'm with you. I think actually God created us to flourish. And he made people in his own image, the imago Dei, the image of God, 
according to the Latin translation of Mago Dei, he made us to flourish. He did not intend for us to be wound up and broken and bruised. That was not his design, and yet here we are. The reason I think we were made to be happy, and that sounds so trite, but actually there's some depth to it, is because of that story of Eden. When I say Eden, what comes to your mind? What do you, what do you think of, Jamie? I think of tranquility. I think if I could define it in one word, it would be shalom, just absence of agitation and discord, nothing broken or missing, just abundance, plenty, peace. Yeah. That absence of, uh, of anxiety. Oh, yeah. Because everything is peaceful. You know, when I think about Eden, I think about all the relationships were whole. So we have Adam and Eve named as the first people in the garden, and their relationship to each other was was perfect. Yes, I mean, they were naked and not ashamed. And they were naked and not ashamed, <laughs> and they were having a good time. And, yes. and they they seemed to have no stress between them. There was mm-hmm. no arguments over what shall we do today, or you didn't do this. Actually, a lot of relationships founder because our expectations are unmet, but mm-hmm. it seems like Adam and Eve, Eve had no expectations of the other that was not met. It was just completely harmonious. And their relationship with their environment was perfect. Think about how many times we have to fear the tornado or the hurricane, the earthquake, the disease, the the corruption of of life through viruses and bacteria and so on. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not true in Eden. The environment was absolutely perfect. It was no threat. They enjoyed it. They experienced it. They were stewards of it, but no problems with their environment. Their relationship was whole. Their relationship with their maker was whole. They had a sense of the moral order. They understood there was a creator. They were dependent on him. They loved him. He loved them. They had a communion together that was complete without any barriers. They understood themselves. Their relationship with themselves was just perfect. They they didn't have self-doubt. They weren't insecure. They weren't questioning themselves. They simply were free to flourish. That is the picture of the world God intended. It's a long ways away from the world we live in now. And yet even today, there are times when we taste a little bit of that Eden, don't we? And it just makes me want more. Mm -hmm. I want to flourish. So, you know, Jesus came into this world to show us how to get back to Eden and how to flourish again. I think you're right. In fact, uh, Jesus, we believe, is the creator of the world. He's not just an intermediary. He is actually the creator. He is God in human form, and he entered into his own creation to reclaim it and to restore it and to show us the way back to an Eden way of life to flourish. That's what I think. And that image that we've just talked about of the ancient story of Eden is actually also the bookend of our destination, that God has promised that he's going to recreate the world and make it all right again. But in the meantime, Jesus walked in this world, the same post-Eden world that we walked in, and he seemed to flourish. Don't you think so? I, mean, I think so, yes. He, he rode the wave, and the world was broken, and he was sometimes bruised, and people didn't always embrace him, and his world had many challenges. But he himself seemed to flourish. And the people who came alongside with him and who allowed him to intervene in their lives, they also began to flourish. Wow, that's what I want to explore, because is it possible, 
yes, I'm going to answer my question. <laughs> is it possible for me to flourish today? I may not be able to get into Eden today, but I can still learn how to flourish. Jimmy, a lot of people talk about human flourishing. So at Harvard University, for instance, they have a long ongoing project and they are now partnering with Baylor University and the Gallup organization to do a survey of hundreds of thousands of people in the world to talk to them about flourishing, how they define flourishing. How do we measure it? Because it's kind of obtuse or maybe nuanced, but here are six big buckets that uh, these people working on the Human Flourishing Project have identified as the metrics of flourishing. How do we know if we're flourishing? The first bucket, they say, is happiness and life satisfaction. They, they have concluded, and I think makes sense, that you couldn't really be said to be flourishing unless you looked at yourself and thought, oh, I'm happy, I, I'm satisfied uh, with my life in the sense that I feel fulfilled. The second bucket is mental and physical health. Yes, I think flourishing for anyone is hinged in some part on our mental health and our physical health and how we understand that. A third bucket is meaning and purpose. I think this is so interesting. They've concluded that one of the primary metrics of human flourishing is a sense of meaning and purpose. Is it possible actually for us to feel happy or fulfilled or to enjoy any good health if we don't have a meaning or purpose in our lives? Fourth is character and virtue. And here, the people behind this Human Flourishing Project evaluation globally understand that there has to be a moral order. You can't flourish apart from character and virtue. You have to have a sense of a moral order to be able to flourish. Fifth, we have to have close social relationships because if we're isolated, we cannot flourish. You just can't. If you're not experiencing some human touch or interaction, you cannot flourish. And sixth, financial and material stability. And that's obvious, I think. It's hard to feel free and to flourish if I have to wonder, will I have food tomorrow? Will I have a place to sleep tonight? That kind of financial material stability is a part of it. Those six big buckets uh, do kind of express this big picture of human flourishing. But Jesus came into this world and he seemed to be able to flourish even within these six buckets. In other words, we don't have any evidence of him sweating out any of that stuff. He seems to just be able to find life and to experience it. Jesus actually made a list of keys to flourishing for us in Matthew, the fifth chapter. That's right, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are this amazing collection of the teaching of Jesus. And in the fifth chapter of Matthew, there's a list of things called the Beatitudes, where he tells us about how we can be blessed. Uh, famously, in a series of sentences that have the same kind of construction. Blessed are those who are poor, he says, and who acknowledge their need of God. We talked about this last time. Uh, For they shall inherit the kingdom of God. And and this idea that you can be blessed if you pursue these properties, these ideas. And sometimes they're counterintuitive, but he's, he's put them on the table for us to flourish. And while we need to be instruments of change to help the world flourish around us, it starts inside of us. You can't make the world better if you yourself have not got this figured out. And in the Beatitudes, where he talks about blessed are, it's important for us to understand that word blessing, what it means. What do you think blessing means? When he says, blessed are these people who do, what do you think he's talking about? 
Is it a magic dust? No, it's not magic dust, although that would be nice to have that handy. <laughs> but it, it, I, I believe it means to be have a joy that is not contingent on the conditions around you. And I like to call it like a shakable joy or a shakable peace or contentment that no matter what goes on or what things appear to be, I, I still have that contentment and joy. My soul can flourish. So the blessing isn't just a, a moment's passing. It's actually a state of being. And that's why some translations of Jesus' words into English in this modern time don't use the word blessing, but use the word happy. Happy are those. That's a state of being. You will be happy if you, and those are keys to flourishing because we want to be happy. And that's not small. It's not petty. Happy can be superficial, but being content and flourishing, growing, and experiencing with joy life is something that we can all taste here and now. So what do you think about this one? This is Matthew 5, verse 4. It says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, it doesn't sound very flourishing-like to me. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Blessed are those who mourn. Because I think when I hear the word mourn, I think of death. I mean, we all have understood that a loved one passed away, for instance, becomes a time of mourning for anyone whose heart's not made of stone. And so I don't see how that could lead me to flourishing. You know, on its face, I'll have to think about that for a minute. But wait a minute. Mourning can be a doorway, I guess, because when I'm mourning, I can see things. I, I stop and step back and look at what really matters. When I suffer a loss that causes me to grieve, it helps me appreciate what I had and what really matters. I, I could see that. Have you suffered any losses in your life? I have many losses, <laughs> a whole lot. But you know, it's you know, I was thinking about um, what what we discussed last time, even and how that ties into this verse. Um, being poor in spirit, I think that it can lead you to that uh, condition or that um, just reliance on God, knowing that you know what I. I've experienced such devastating loss that I need God just to go about my normal functions during the day. Um, so I think that uh, when I think about mourning and how um, God promises that he would send his spirit to comfort us, I can mourn with that, with that hope, even though it's, it seems difficult at the moment. Um, and then I also thought about how some of my greatest I thought losses ended up being the biggest moment of growth in my life spiritually and in other ways because it caused me to reach out for God more. You know, I wasn't thinking, oh, I can handle it. I knew that I couldn't handle it. And it caused me to develop such um, more layers of growth and a deeper well to draw from. You grew. From. And you became stronger yes. in ways you could not have otherwise. Exactly. And it's sort of like working out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like pushing past that threshold of pain, yeah. That's <laughs> you right. know? And then once you get there, you can even plateau there, and then you can go higher and, and, and increase the, the strength training or the resistance. And that resistance builds muscle. And so I think that a lot of times we think that pressure is um, maybe a negative thing or, you know, hard times is a negative thing. But the right amount of pressure applied can produce the most beautiful pearl, you That's know? That's right. So, and grief can be that resistance training. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
think about all the things, Jamie, that we can mourn in life. Uh, my mom passed away last year, and uh, she was a great, great woman of faith. And she taught me so much about love. And I realized that in her passing, I did go through some profound grief, even though she lived long and well. She was 97 after all. But I realized then that it became a doorway for me to have more peace about life because as I watched her pass away and I came to terms with a world where she was not any longer going to be talking to me on the phone or giving me a hug or worrying about me and she worried about me till the last dying breath. You know, I I was going to live in a world without those things. I know she's still living and I have the hope and the promise of seeing her again in, in my understanding of my faith and my walk with Christ. And I mean, there's just so much there that the morning actually turned into a gift. I grew deeper. You can't see a mountaintop until you've been in a valley. You can't really appreciate what matters unless you've suffered loss. And, you know, Jesus is described in the Old Testament as the man of sorrows. How can you know Jesus if you don't know sorrow? And yet when you know that sorrow, it helps you flourish. It's totally counterintuitive. It's not a classroom I would sign up for. Right. And yet it has such richness to it. There's so many other things we can mourn, though, besides the passing of a loved one. Think about a dream. I I dreamed of something, and I wanted to do something or achieve something or become something, and it didn't work out. And you have to go through a grieving process to let go of that. But when you let go of that, that surrendering, it helps you appreciate how beautiful the dream was, perhaps, or maybe why it was the wrong dream. You have learned something that you need to pursue. Or maybe you'll recommit to pursuing the dream again because you've mourned the moment when it did not come to pass as you thought. I mean, there's so many ways in which it can cause us to flourish, but we're afraid sometimes to allow ourselves to grieve. And I think Jesus is telling us, if you want to flourish, you have to be able to pause, reflect, acknowledge a loss, and then experience the flourishing that comes out of that. Maybe something that's been lost can be restored. I used to be able to play the piano, but I haven't for years. But you know what? Now that I've remembered that loss, I'm going to do that again. Or maybe it's something that cannot be restored in this life, but I can appreciate and celebrate and and find comfort in the memory of it, even as I know there'll be new adventures and new things that will be just as good or greater. At so many levels, Jesus is giving us a key here to flourishing. Allow yourself to grieve. Don't live in grief, but give yourself a chance to grieve from time to time. I have to think of one other thing, Jamie, and that is I read a book called Lament for a Son that was so powerful about a man whose son, who was in his 20s, had fallen to his death in a climbing accident in Europe. And and the dad was home in Chicago and got that awful call that every parent dreads. Out of the blue, in the middle of the night, your son has died. And of course, his son was young and filled with promise and deeply loved and had so much to look forward to in life and now suddenly gone. And the depth of his grief as he described his journey was so overpowering. And yet, even as he coped with his grief, he began to appreciate things that he used to walk by. And uh, all of us, I think, kind of think about this as I unpack it here. You know, when you lose something really significant, suddenly small things become significant. The beauty of the sky, the way in which leaves turn colors in the fall, 
the way in which music might stir the soul and bring peace. Maybe just a chocolate chip cookie that you used to take for granted. But I mean, small incidental things become the rich fabric, the threads of life that allow us to flourish because it's in those things. Back in Eden, I think they were looking at every flower. They were taking time to smell the roses, so to speak. That's where you flourish. And mourning can actually bring you to that place instead of always focused on that big new thing, always focused on that huge experience or ambition. Those have a place, I suppose, but you can't flourish if you can't appreciate every day and its beauty and something good is there. Jamie, if these Beatitudes are keys to human flourishing and we're focused on this one passage, Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, where he says, blessed, happy, uh, content, fulfilled will you be if you mourn because you'll be what? Comforted. You'll what, be comforted. What does that mean to you, comforted? To me, it means that, you know, I have experienced some loss. I lost my mother when I was really young and I remember just crying and going through all of the normal stages of grief, feeling strong and then angry and then just sad. And I remember praying and asking God why, because I thought she was the best person in the world. Why would she take her? And I remember just feeling this sense of comfort from God and this peace and this knowing that, and I didn't hear an audible voice, but I, I just felt like God honored her her will. You know, she was, had been suffering for a long time. And so God honored that. And, and I knew it was God's voice um, because I felt this incredible peace that I had never experienced before in my life. And up until that point, I was in a, a constant state of grieving and crying. And, you know, I found it very difficult to just go up just be around people. Um, but after that, it was it was so different. It's like, I mean, I still miss her even to this day, but I had this peace, this comfort of knowing that he, he heard our prayers. <laughs> and he's working for the good. Right. And there's a bigger picture. Yes. And, and, and he I'm... won't leave me nor forsake me. He's with me. And I just, I, I went from crying daily to not crying anymore. And it's Kind of strange, but... Well, I'm, I'm hearing you say yeah. beautifully that that comfort he provided to you caused you to flourish. Yes. You developed a, cert a certain sense of calm mm -hmm. and contentment and peace, mm -hmm. even missing your mom. Yes. But still having a a way of, of experiencing it that made you at peace. Mm -hmm. That's flourishing, isn't it? It's yeah. what you described in Eden, a place of peace, the shalom. And that is the promise that we can flourish even in our grieving and our mourning if we do it with Christ in Jesus' way. How about you today, wherever you are in this world? Uh, are you grieving something? Are you afraid to grieve? Have you suffered a loss and you're just not sure how to cope with it? Or you're afraid to face it? Or you're angry about it? Or you're in some kind of frustrated position? Do you want to flourish? You can. If you just surrender your grief and experience your mourning in, in the way that Jesus has intended, you will find comfort. How, how can you do it? There are so many things that have been lost in our world, even in the pandemic. All of us have suffered loss in the pandemic. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you've lost the freedom of motion. Maybe you lost a job. Whatever our losses are, 
it can be a gateway if we'll just allow ourselves to experience the moment to flourishing. How? Start with us right now by praying. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful that you understand us and that you've walked in this world in the person of Jesus, your son, and experience what we experience. You understand loss and grief. And we're thankful, Lord, that you understand us and care for us and that your will for each of us is good. And even though we live in a very broken world where there are other forces that can work against us, you are greater still and will work for us if we will just place our lives into your hands. And whether it be a loved one's passing or maybe the loss of a job or something in our personal circumstance or even a dream, Lord, give us the grace to grieve and then comfort us and help us to flourish in that comfort zone. Help us to find new strength. Help us to appreciate the small things in life. Help us to recognize what matters most and what does not. Help us, Lord, in our grief to be transformed into luxuriant, living things that flourish. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to know more about how you can flourish, about how you can even cope with grief, if you'd like to know more about how you can go forward in this life and find life and experience it abundantly, give us a call. Just dial this number toll-free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is the number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're always by the phone, and we're always glad to hear your voice, I promise. But if someone did not want to call us just yet, Jamie, how could they find us online? Where would they go? They can go to www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's at CBH Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. Maybe you're accessing this conversation on a social media stream already, and if so, just send us a note in the comment feed. We're watching that too, and we'll get back to you. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us on the phone, check us out online, follow us on social media, or use the post. Let us hear from you this week. Jamie, thanks so much for coming alongside. As always, you make every conversation better. Oh, thank you. Good to be here. And we thank you for joining us also and hope that you'll be with us again next week when we, again, think a little bit about human flourishing and some of the keys that can allow us to think and experience in a way that makes life flourish here and now. Until then... For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.